Pastor Dave has been, uh, been teaching on uh, even greater. And uh, what are greater? What are greater things? Well, we're talking about miracles, miracles. And um, I want today, if you put my slide up for me t- today, I want to talk to you about that for a minute. I want to talk to you about how to expect a miracle. There's a rock floating in the midair. That's impossible. But God. Um, I, don't, I don't know if that's God or not. I just is probably Photoshop. But I want to talk to you today about how to expect your miracle. And, uh, you know, if we're going to pray for greater works, uh, then we're going to also be able to have to have the ability to receive those greater works as well. Uh, so, you know, uh, as we were singing, I just got off track here, but I just was thinking, you know, while we were singing, was anybody else thinking like this to me? Yesterday I went to Costco. And then we had to go to Sam's. We're buying some food for or having a party for Maddie and Devin, uh, honoring their, celebrating their wedding. And uh, there they are sitting over there. Congratulations for your wedding. And we have a, you're all invited up there after the uh, service for food and fellowship and just, uh, just to celebrate with them. But we were, we were at Costco, and, and I walked up to Costco, and I saw in the news yesterday or the day before that, you know, Governor Cooper has uh, gotten rid of the mask mandate in North Carolina. And uh, Costco and Walmart and the rest of them said they weren't going to require masks if you're fully vaccinated. And so uh, I walked up to the door without my mask on at Costco, and I said, uh, do I have to wear a mask in here today? He says, Are, you know, not if you've been fully vaccinated. I said, amen, and I walked in. Now, I have not been fully vaccinated. But I didn't say I had been either. But I've had the disease, and I have more antibodies than you guys who've been vaccinated. So, you know, and if you're vaccinated, what are you afraid of? But anyway, as we're standing there singing, Connie and I both walked in there going, freedom, freedom, no more shackles, no more masks, no more, you know. And, and so we sing it this morning. I said, deja vu, you know. So we're free at last. Thank God Almighty, we're free at last. Okay, so uh, anyway. Um, where was I? Oh, anybody ever seen a miracle? Let me ask you, who in here has seen a miracle? Here's another question. Who in here needs a miracle? I'm expecting for you to receive your miracle even today. Uh, Wednesday night, Pastor Connie teaches... uh, the TNT, the We World Changers, whatever name we're using this week, I don't know. But it's the, th- the two to five-year-olds. And she's been doing that for about eight or nine years. She loves those little kids. They love her. And uh, she was teaching them last week the story of the ten lepers, you know, how they came to Jesus and they were all healed as they went. And, and, and she talked to them about skin diseases and all kinds of things. And then, and then they showed a... a CBN did a series a number of years ago called Superbook, and I think they have a new one out now uh, on Superbook. And it's uh, the Superbook story they watched was a story of the ten lepers. So it kind of reinforced visually what, what she was telling them. So when your children go to, go to our Wednesday night classes, they get something, okay? But uh, then she asked them uh, who needed prayer. And uh, she said, anybody here have a boo-boo? Well, there was nine kids in there, and all of them have boo-boos, okay? And they proceeded to roll up their sleeves and roll up their pants and show her all the boo-boos. They had, you know, they've fallen off their bikes, they've skinned their knees, or, you know, whatever. And um, so um, she says, uh, well, let's, let's pray for the boo-boos, okay? And so they pray. And um, uh, after prayer, 
you know, one of them said, my, my, actually my grandson Bram said, my boo-boo's gone. His boo-boo was gone. And Connie said, I have to admit, I didn't look. And she says, you know, I figured they're just going to show me their boo-boos again next week. Well, I went over to Dave's house the other day, and little, his little brother, Jed, who's two, came up and said, Bram's boo-boo disappeared. I went, wow, Bram's boo-boo disappeared. You know? And um, I thought to myself, and Connie said it too, she says, you know, I wasn't expecting their boo-boos to go away. But they were. What did Jesus say? Unless you become little children, you can't enter into the kingdom of heaven. Unless you become like little children. There's a, there's a lesson somewhere there, I think. And that's what prompted me to, to want to preach this today. You know, how much, how much of the church is in the same boat? Well, I prayed for my boo-boo, but I don't really, you know, I hope it goes away. hope it goes away. But do we expect it to go away? So I want to talk to you about expectation this morning. How, how to receive. How to expect the answer for your prayer to be manifested. Let me ask you a question. When you gave your heart to Jesus, did you expect to receive forgiveness for your sins? When you gave your heart to Jesus, did you expect to receive eternal life? Why? Because the word said so. On the strength of a word, you believed. Really? Or did you just hope that you got fire insurance? Do you know the difference in the, in the Bible... When we read the word hope, there's, you know, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Well, there's, there's more than one hope in the Bible. In, in the American English language, in, in the British, in English, hope means maybe it'll come to pass. Am I right? But that's not what it means in the Bible. Did you know what hope means in the Bible? Hope in the Bible means a confidence or an assurance or an expectation that what I, for an expected result. People say, you know, I've told people, you know, I've prayed with at different times and, and, and uh, you know, like some of the guys on the golf course, and they say, well, I hope that's true. What they mean is, I don't really expect it, but maybe... Can I tell you that uh, that's not what God's talking about when he says hope? My hope is in the Lord. No, my expectation, my confidence is in God. I trust him, right? Because you see, faith, well, faith without expectancy isn't faith. I don't know what it is, but it's not faith. If you pray and you don't expect to see something, that's not faith. The promise of God's word was that when we accepted Jesus, we get eternal life. Now, I can't prove that it's so, but I can prove that it's so, because I know. But, but 
to pray with no expectancy, why bother? Faith demands expectancy. Expectancy, let me then tell you something else. When we talk about faith being an action verb, the reason we say faith is an action verb is because when we pray, we expect it to be so, therefore we must act as if it were so. Because if we believe that we have expectancy that I prayed something's going to happen, then I should walk around expecting, acting like whatever I prayed for has already happened, even if I haven't seen it yet. Do I dare to expect to receive God's richest blessings and promises are my own? Because I did that. When, when I, I didn't know anything you know, when I got saved. I don't know much more now, but I know a little bit. And I've discovered what the Word of God says about the promises of God, about the Word of God, things I never knew were even in here, okay? And, and so I know now that when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, not only did I get forgiveness... Not only did I get eternal life, I got supply for my needs. I, I got peace for my tortured mind. I got financial blessings instead of poverty. I got healing instead of sickness. Because they are all encompassed, all encapsulated in the same cross. Everything that I have need of. Every promise was all encapsulated, all occurred as soon as Jesus went to the cross and said, it is finished. Well, if that's true, then, you know, what we've been hearing in here about greater works and, 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 and needs, to be, needs to be a people, we need to be a people who, who walk in that. We need to be a people, we've heard about, you know, changing our words and so forth. Well, See, if, if you really believe that that's so, if I have an expectancy that my prayers have been heard and God has already answered and God has made provision for me, then my words ought to be reflective of what I feel inside. My attitude should be different than the rest of the world. Something happened to me when, when Jesus came into my heart, when the Holy Spirit filled me. You know, next week is Pentecost Sunday. But it's every, every week is Pentecost Sunday in this church. We don't have to wait to once a year maybe to pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We should be walking in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That, that was a defining moment in my life that everything changed from that moment to this. I've never been the same. The Holy Spirit came in and filled me up. Man, there's, there's nothing else like it. And, and I discovered, you know, Everything, this, this book is filled with miracles. I, uh, miracles, is, miracles are the currency. Miracles are the currency of the kingdom of God. God, what, what is a miracle? Well, a miracle, I try to define it in my class when, I, when I'm teaching. A miracle is when God suspends the natural law and superimposes a supernatural law in place of it. So think of it this way. You know, when uh, Jesus took five loaves and two fish and fed 5,000 people, that was a miracle. He took the natural order of things and said there's a, there's a quantitative number, uh, there's an, a certain amount of molecules in that loaf of bread. He had five loaves, and, and Jesus, as he began to break the bread, 
it multiplied. So this natural order of things, the natural law, just got changed to by a supernatural law. The lesser is subject to the greater. The greater law of the kingdom of God took over and the molecules expanded. When Jesus walked on the water, the natural law of gravity was no longer sufficient for a greater law in the kingdom of heaven that allowed Jesus to walk across the water. That's a miracle. Not every instantaneous healing is a miracle, but not every miracle is a healing. Miracles are the currency of heaven. God made you for miracle, made you for miracles, and He made miracles for you, and He's still doing it. I was thinking, we're coming to the close in two weeks of our, which year is this, Joelle? Our 17th year? 18th? 16th. Okay, close. This is the end of our 16th year of Master's Commission slash Catalyst. Okay, I'll get it. Okay. And um, the first year we started out, we had three students. There's one of them right over there, Corey Cummings. We had five, oh, five students. Okay, I stand corrected. So we had five students. Remember Nathan? Nathan is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. He came to here from a very rural area, up, of a coastal area up in North Carolina, up close to the Virginia border. Um, you know, you can't get there from here. I don't think there's a store anywhere. You know, I think you have to drive an hour to get to a Walmart. Okay. Um, he came from an AG church, but he only had a minor knowledge of God and his spirit and the word. I'm not real sure how he got here. Okay. I'm not sure how a lot of them get here, but we thank God that you're here. But one of the classes he took that first year he was here was the class we teach on the life of Christ. And it's really not the life of Christ. We teach the book Christ the Healer by T.L. Osborne. And so that year he was subjected to hearing about how Jesus has paid the price at the atonement for his healing. And he was part of this church, went through nine months, the program. He was baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues for the first time. And he spent time in God's presence every day. But he was only able to come here for that nine-month period. Then he left and went home. And when he got back to his home church, he helped him with the youth program and, and, and some of the things there. And uh, after a few months, I mean, a little bit while later, he contracted cancer. Okay? And he was diagnosed with stage four cancer. Remember? Well, you weren't here, so. I was. Stage four cancer. Okay? And uh, he called us, and the church prayed. And some of the Master's Commission students the second year went back down there, went up to his house, and prayed with him, prayed for him. Okay. Now, Nathan prayed, and he confessed that Jesus had healed him at the cross. That was his confession. He believed that he was healed. He got brainwashed here. Good thing. Okay. But he stood on that against all the odds 
that the devil was throwing at him. And, um, you know, doctors told him he was stage four. Friends were telling him he's going to die. But Nathan believed God's word, and Nathan expected to see what God said. Why? Because God had said so in his word. He hadn't seen it, but he expected it. And he told people he's healed. And against all human odds, he was healed. In the end, Jesus won, and the cancer went away. How do you go from stage four to zero? It's a miracle. But I have a question. He overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of his testimony. And his faith was in the word one of expectancy that God had healed him. Okay. He, he stood upon it. He confessed it. He believed it. He expected it. And he came through it. But where would he have been if he hadn't been here and put the word of God on his cancer? Where would he have been if he had not been taught to expect that God is the same, yes, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever? But you see, what the devil didn't know was that guy Nathan was a warrior. The devil encountered a warrior spirit in Nathan. He wasn't quitting. He wasn't dying. And the devil did not understand who he was living with. He wasn't just Nathan. He was warrior Nathan. Warrior, El Gabor Nathan, spirit-filled Nathan, word-filled Nathan, expectancy of God's promise fulfilled in Nathan's spirit, man. You know, he, he had, you see, if he had just gone with the world and, and, not, and expected nothing, even though he was a Christian, that's what he would have gotten. Now, I have seen God heal with no faith many times. But I can tell you what, if you know the word of God, God expects you to do your part. And so there needs to be an expectancy that rises up within the hearts of us. You will see far more results with expectant faith than little or no faith. So Nathan, Nathan believed it. and He received it. He expected it. And he saw it. I want you to turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 5. going to begin in verse 1 down to verse 9. As the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear God's word, he was standing by the Sea of Galilee or Lake Genesaret, another word for it, okay? He saw two boats on the edge of the lake, and the fishermen had left them, and they were washing their nets out. And he got into one of the boats, okay, you need to keep going, okay, uh, which belonged to Simon, and asked him to put out a little bit from the land. And then he sat down and he was teaching the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Simon said, Rabbi, Master, we've worked hard all night long and we caught nada. But at your word, I'll let down the nets. When they did this, they caught a great number of fish, and their nets began to tear. Now, 
Just one more verse. So they beckoned to their partners who were in the other ship that they should come and help them. And they came and filled the ships so much so the boats began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees and he said, Depart from me, I am a sinful man, Lord. For he was astonished, and all those that were with him, at the catch of the fishes that they had taken. And it was James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with him. So, so, so here's the story. These fishermen had fished all night. That's when you catch fish in the Galilee. They fished all night, and they caught nothing. So Jesus needed to teach, and he gets into a boat, and he pushes it away, and and there's something about the effect of sound waves traveling, bouncing off the water. So as he pushed a ways out into into the sea, his voice was then magnified so the people on the seashore could hear him. And um, anyway, so he's teaching. And then when he finishes, he turns to Peter and says, let down your nets and you'll get a catch. And Peter says, well, hey, we, we, we fished all night already. This is probably late morning, if not even later. Okay. And so they hadn't washed their nets out. So it's probably late morning by now. And what, what Peter is really saying here when he says, Lord, we fished all night, what he's really saying is, why do you want me to do that? What earthly good would it be for me to put those nets down right now? We fish all night. You're a carpenter. I'm a fisherman. This is how we do it here in Galilee. That's what he's really saying. What's his expectation? He knows. He's a fisherman. We don't catch fish this time of day, right? It's not the right time. But all right, Because you said so, listen to me, because you said so, because you said so, because you said so, I'll put out my nets. He was really only going to put out his nets to prove how dumb Jesus was. Have you ever got a word from God that you thought was impossible? Have you ever heard a word from God that you said, that's not, that can't happen? Peter did. Put out, a, put out your nets. You're going to get a huge catch of fish. There's no way for that to happen. But he obeyed. At the word of the Lord, he obeyed. He, he did what God said. And even though he didn't have a lot of expectation, this was a point that Jesus was trying to teach him. And what happened? As they pulled their nets in, there were so many fish, they couldn't get them all in. Their nets began to break. The boats began to sink. They've never seen such a catch of fish. At the word of the Lord, I launch out into places I haven't been before with the full knowledge that God's word says if he said it, he'll do it. That's my expectation. That's what Jesus was trying to teach those fishermen. And so Jesus, then, then Peter comes and runs down, falls at his face you know, and says, Lord, forgive me, I'm a sinner. He apologizes. I'm stupid, Jesus. I didn't expect anything because I know I'm a better fisherman than you are. I know what I know. That can't happen. The doctor said there's no way cancer goes away. There's, the, the, the people said there's no jobs. 
Yeah, the, there's no money. There's no, 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 no. But God said. So I have an expectation that what God said will come to pass. Miracles don't happen on the strength of God's word, or do they? Yeah, of course they do. Of course they do. And see, this is what Mark was trying to teach us in Mark 11. Put that up for me, uh, 22. Jesus said, we've, we've read this verse a thousand times in here. Jesus said, have faith in God. What he's really saying is have faith in God's word. I assure you, he says, if anyone says to this mountain, be, be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes, but expects that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Why would you expect it? Because God said so. I'm not just talking about saying stuff on a whim or, or, or just saying anything, but the revealed will of God coming to us from his word, or you know, then we can walk on it as if it was so, we can believe that it was so, and we can expect for it to come to pass. Therefore, I tell you all the things that you pray and ask for, believe, expect what you, that what you prayed for has come to pass, and you will have them. And you will have them. See, if God has spoken, it shall come to pass. Miracles, as I said, are the currency of heaven. Miracles are what God does for his children. The world calls them miracles. We call them his promises. You're a child of your king. That's your inheritance. The stuff the world can't understand is part of your inheritance. So are you questioning his words to you? Peter did. Look what happened. Jesus blessed him anyway. So if God says, speak to a rock and water will come out, what should you do? Speak to a rock. If God said, if you do this, I'll heal your body. If you do that, I'll heal your marriage. If you do that, I'll heal your broken heart. If you believe that, if you believe that, I'll heal your finances. If you believe this, I'll heal your wounded spirit. Don't get frustrated because of the time frame it takes to see it come to pass. That's the problem. I know. Believe me. I've prayed for a lot of things and haven't seen them in the time frame that I expected. I need it now, Jesus. I think he knows that. Don't get frustrated with God and lose, and lose faith in God. Have faith that God's word is true. I mean, this is nothing new. We, we've been teaching the same thing in here for, since I've been here for 20 years. But it never hurts to get reminded of it. The word will never come back to him void without performing that which, for, which was why he sent it. If God sends the word, it will accomplish the purpose for which it's been sent. Jesus is Lord. We're his servants. 
All we're supposed to do is what he said. I pray for people, and I'm not the healer. I expect God's word to be manifested in them, but it's not up to me to see it manifested. My only responsibility is to have faith in God, is to speak his word, declare his word, because he said so. I read the life, I have all the books that I could ever find about Smith Wigglesworth. I have a lot of books about people, you know, in the last 100 years in my office, biographies and so forth. And Smith Wigglesworth was a man of great faith, called the apostle of faith. And he had a tremendous ministry. I mean, people were healed, people were raised from the dead. Uh, all kinds of things. But you, you know, it was never Wigglesworth's ministry. You know what Wigglesworth was? He was a plumber. A plumber. He never healed anybody. He never raised the dead. The only thing he did was obey the word of the Lord and speak it in faith and expectation that it would come back. I want you to turn to John 14, verses 10 through 17. Now, these are scriptures we've been through. Jesus is saying to his disciples, don't you believe I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak to you, I don't speak of my own. The Father who is living in me does the works. Believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father in me, but, or otherwise believe me because of the works themselves. Let me explain something to you. Miracles occur to confirm the word of God, to prove that your words are so, that God is who he says he is. Whenever we prayed for people on crusades and you know, around the world as we go out and we preach and do it right here, what we're doing is we're saying, this is the word of the Lord. And as it's manifested with those signs and wonders and miracles, what does it do? It shows the world, it shows that individual that the word that we speak is true because there's no other explanation for it. And so I, he says, I assure you, the one who believes in me will do the works that I do. And he will do even greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. Listen, this is your, <laughs> this is your mandate this is your marching orders. You are called to speak the word in faith with expectation and God will take care of the rest of it because he needs the greater works out in this world. How is the world going to know that Jesus Christ is who he says he is if you are not out there doing the greater works of Jesus? And he says, whatever you ask in my name, I'll do it. So the why? So the father can be glorified in the son. And if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Okay? So the revelation for us is that we're merely unprofitable servants. Wigglesworth was just an unprofitable servant. Okay? And all we're called to do is do the command of the word of the Lord. Speak, pray, expect, believe. Because he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And expect it to come to pass. I want you to say, say this with me. Today is the day for my miracle. Say it again. Today is the day of my miracle. Okay? Oral Roberts used to teach three things. In order, the key to receiving your miracle. 
First of all, understand that God is the source of your total supply. Everything you need has already been provided through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. God is your source. In order, secondly, in order to reap a harvest, you must sow a seed. Whether it's your words, whether it's your finances, or whatever it may be. In order to reap a miracle, you have to sow seeds. Seeds of faith. Seeds of your word. Expectation that God will bring it to pass. And finally, the last part is, number three, expect to receive it. Expect the miracle. The secret to receiving your miracle is to expect that it's going to happen. Okay? That's, that's kind of why we, we pray for people sometimes, and you know what we tell them? Now do something you couldn't do. Why do we tell them to do that? To activate their faith. To show them, that, you know, I can't bend that knee. Well, try. Well, suddenly they can. How did that happen? <laughs> because God's word is so. I expected it on the strength of my faith. What keeps us from receiving our miracle? I think one of the greatest problems that the church faces, not this church, but it's Hosea 4.6. My people perish for a lack of knowledge. How much of the church even has heard one-fifth of what I just said this morning? 2 Peter 1.4, if you have that for me. That's 1.14. I'll read it. 1.4 whereby are given unto us great, exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. What promises has God said over your circumstance, over the area that you need the miracle the most? Maybe it's healing or salvation or finances or emotions or life. You're a child of God, a joint heir. You, have, a, you have been giving a huge laundry list of promises that are all yours in Christ Jesus. The second thing that holds people back is they quit before they get there. They pray and they don't see it and that's that time frame thing. But you have to persist in order to prevail. You must persist if you're going to prevail. You know, there's a story of four men who had a friend who, had, who was paralyzed and laying on a mat. And they, want, they heard that Jesus was in town. They were going to get him to Jesus. If we can just get him to Jesus, he'll be healed. And they got to the house and they couldn't get in. And what did they do? They went up on the roof and they tore, they couldn't get into the, to the ground floor, too many people outside. So they got up on the roof and they dug through the roof and lowered their friend down in to see Jesus. Nothing was going to stop them from getting to Jesus. They persisted until they prevailed and their friend was healed. You do not stop believing and expecting. And the fourth thing is you declare your miracle before you see it. You declare it. Like Nathan who confessed he was healed before he was healed. Well, he actually was healed, but before it manifested. And then finally you expect your miracle. You expect your miracle. When they came to Jesus, John's disciples said, John had sent them to say, to ask him, are you the one or should we wait for another? And before Jesus answered, he prayed for people and 
blind saw and the lame walked and the deaf heard. And then he turned to John's disciples and says, go back and tell John what you've seen and heard. Why? Because the miracle confirms who Jesus is. The lame see, the deaf hear, the, the dumb speak. All that is accomplished. God wants you to have a miracle. He wants you to be for performing miracles. He wants to show the world, as I said earlier, who he is. If you can believe, you will receive. If you expect and declare, God will bring it to pass. Do not stop believing that. The greater works that you will do imply that the miracle working power, dunamis, the supernatural power of God, will be manifested through each of us who believe. And as you expected, you will see it. It might take a while, it might not, but I have seen so many miracles in my life. I'll close with this thought. We've preached all over the world. In Africa, South America, Central America, Caribbean, Eastern Europe, Western Europe. Do you know what I found? The world is hurting. They're in desperation. But you know what I also found? The compassion of Jesus is the same wherever you go. When we speak the word in faith, God does the work. Miracles happen. Miracles happen to confirm his word. It says in Mark 16, these signs shall follow them who believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons. In my name, they'll speak with new tongues. They'll lay hands upon the sick and they shall recover. Why? Because God wants to show himself mighty on his behalf so that the Father will be glorified through the Son. And it says the last verse of Mark 16 says, the disciples believed that and they went out and they did it. And the Lord worked with them, confirming his word with signs following. That's the process. That's the greater works. That's the things that God is waiting for you. And all you've got to do, the how to expect it, is don't let anything stand in your way. You persist for it. You believe God's word. You declare it and you receive it in Jesus' name. Would you stand to your feet and pray with me today? You know, we prayed for the sick a moment ago. But if you have a need in your life, in your body, or maybe you're standing in for someone else like Juanita did for her mother last week, the altar's open. We'll be happy to pray. But I want to pray with you at, at home and in this room. And we'll pray individually if you'd like to. Just close your eyes for a moment. You know, the greatest miracle that can occur in your life is to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Those of you watching on video, those of you in this room, if Jesus Christ is not Lord of your life, let's change that right now. God will give you a miracle. He'll fill you with his Holy Spirit and your life will be changed. Mere circumstances may not change overnight, but you're the future of your life will change dramatically, I assure you. If you need Jesus, just say this prayer with me. Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from all my past. Jesus, I accept that you're my Savior. You're the Lord of my life. You're the King of kings and Lord of lords. Come into me and dwell with me and help change me to the person you want me to be. Help me live for you, Jesus. I ask you to forgive me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And a miracle will take place. For those of you in this room this day who said you need a miracle, 
say this with me. Jesus, thank you for your promises to me. I believe, I expect that my miracle is on its way. I will not stop expecting to receive my miracle. Today, Lord, I receive it. I'm not leaving here the same as when I came in. Thank you for my miracle. Amen and amen. Father, I thank you for hearing our prayer. I thank you, Lord, for just touching every heart in this room. Lord God, that you'll move upon them, that you will walk in the things of, of the word of God like never before. If we can expect you for salvation, we can expect you for eternal life. We can certainly expect you to fulfill your word and your promises to us. Manifest it to them, Lord. I bless them in the name of Jesus. They'll be blessed going in and coming out. They'll be blessed with all they put their hand to do. They're walking in the divine power of God. Lord, miracles are theirs. They were made for miracles and you made miracles for them. Lord, manifest it. Miracles are the currency of heaven. Manifest it in their lives. I bind every hindering spirit that would come against them in any way, shape, or form. Father God, I bless them in your precious, powerful, matchless name. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you'd like prayer, I'll be right here. Be happy to pray with you.